Welcome to the audio podcast of the weekly sermon of the First Presbyterian Church of Brooklyn. As we begin to repopulate our historical and recently renovated sanctuary for worship, online worship will continue Sunday morning at 11 a.m. We are live on firstchurchbrooklyn.org, as well as the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Now, this week's message. I speak in the name of the one holy and living God, who was, who is, and who is to come. Amen. Did you have the same experience as I hearing the text from Acts? Did you get carried along by the fast-paced, rollicking tale of imprisonment, liberation, and church expansion? Or perhaps there was the merest instant when the slave girl gave you pause. She's written into the tale less as a person than as a plot point, a tiny hinge to help the story hang together. She enters shouting and leaves silently, melting back into a life we can only imagine. But the way the text is written, we don't have to imagine her life. Her story is dispensed with, and we move on. Let's resist the temptation to ride the tide onward. Let's take a moment with her. Let her arrest us, this enslaved girl who is twice possessed. She is enslaved by a spirit that endows her with powers of divination. She's enslaved by human owners who profit from her second sight. Already, with barely a a toe in the tail, we're already immersed in the corruption that is the hallmark of empire. We're pulling a thread that reveals the entangling mesh that is sin. In the years OC of COVID, as opposed to BC before COVID. We've come to face, we've come face to face with so many of the threads of corruption and sin that infect our world. Slavery begot racism that fed the prison industrial complex, that destroys families and traps people in poverty, that is treated as a moral failing. Poor people are trapped in poverty by their own laziness. So they don't deserve housing or healthcare or good schools. They deserve to live in unsafe communities that feed the prison industrial complex that destroys families and traps people in poverty. Yeah, pull a thread. The apostles, Paul and Silas, pulled a thread. The apostles don't engage with the girl, they engage with the demon. It is the demon that speaks, it is the demon that is confronted. The girl is inhabited by a spirit of corruption. She doesn't speak her own truth, she is used. Used by a demon as a mouthpiece, used by slaveholders as a profit-making product. Still, what of her? What of the girl? Was her life fixed or further broken by Paul's intervention? 
We don't know. We do know that the oppressive system that permits her to be enslaved exists after Paul's intervention. That she is free of the demon doesn't make her free to make her own choices in all of her life. But it does reclaim for her a corner of her life to have as her own. I have no idea how large a prize that was or what other consequences befell. We do know that the slaveholders are ired by the loss of their prized product. Paul and Silas are immediately swept away to meet the magistrates. So they have together with the girl and we, carried along by the excitement of the tale, also forget her. But she's not incidental to the story. There is so much to which her presence, her shouting and her silence bear witness. Without words, she speaks of the interlocking system of sin. We're not told how she came to be enslaved or how and why the demon possessed her. We just know that she was there speaking a truth that was not her own. Some years ago, when the Rainbow Nation of South Africa was newly freed from apartheid, I was in Cliptown with a group of pilgrims. Our guide was a member of the Cliptown community whose roots in that place reached back generations. As we walked, surrounded us. It was decades since any government entity had deemed this place worthy of attention. Houses and shacks stood cheek by jowl as though propping each other up. We watched a young girl bending under a communal tap because there was no running water in her house. She was washing her white shirt to wear for the next day of school. We saw a toddler as she lifted her younger but not much smaller brother over the rill of filthy water that ran down the main street. The story I saw was a miserable testimony to government failure. But our guide told a different story. He told a story of a community that had refused to be pushed away by the apartheid government. He saw a young girl with pride in her appearance and a determination to learn. He saw two children learning to cooperate to achieve a goal. And throughout our walk, as he greeted his neighbors and offered snippets of their stories, he saw people who had lived in fear of passbook raids and police harassment, claiming the security of being at home in their own community. Was it enough? No was not enough, like it was not enough for the enslaved girl to be freed from the demon, but it was a leap of change to be able to claim the right to her own right mind. The thread that the apostles pulled unraveled a tiny corner of the sin system, but revealed so much more. 
calling Paul and Silas before the magistrates, the slaveholder doesn't admit the financial complaint that is the source of his rage. Instead, his accusation is that these foreigners from a different religious background are threatening the morality of the city by proposing un-Roman behaviors. A little bit of racial and religious profiling so easily makes law and order the enemy of justice and peace. It seems the apostles have no opportunity to defend themselves before being sentenced to a beating in jail. Their liturgy in the night watch precipitates a very local earthquake. The jailer must have known that the earthquake was localized because tremors that affected the whole city would have given him a legitimate reason for a prison break. But the tremors were local and he was terrified. Not terrified that the prisoners would attack him, but afraid that his superiors would think that he had been sleeping on the job. Death seemed a better option. What kind of a workplace is it in which workers are afraid to falter or fail? Maybe workers in the companies you or I work in manage or own don't consider suicide to be preferable to admitting that something has gone wrong. But are the demands on workers in the companies that we patronize? Are they tantamount to suicidal schedules that require life-sapping loyalty? Funny, isn't it, that in the end, nothing much changes, but everything is altered. Paul and Silas don't take their freedom and run back to Lydia's house where they are sure of a welcome. They stay. They stay to baptize, to commune, to pray, and to celebrate the birth of a new congregation. Nothing much changes, but everything is altered. That is what happens to a meshwork when you pull a thread. My father's first chaplain, Chris, was a young Afrikaner who was committed to the anti-apartheid cause. His protest, he decided, would be to refuse to cooperate with apartheid laws. He would not go where his co-workers of color were not welcome. And that was easy at first. He would only frequent the international res restaurants that made no race-based distinction in the clientele they would serve. Of course, these were the more expensive restaurants, but no matter. He skipped the segregated gyms and took his exercise to the streets and the city parks that were open to all as long as he stayed off the benches. But it quickly became more complicated. Which barber would cut his hair? Which beach could he frequent? Which hospital would admit him if he got sick? The interlocking system of apartheid sinfulness became evident as soon as he pulled one thread. We so often get caught investing our energy and angst in the sinfulness of that extra slice of chocolate cake 
while ignoring the interlocking systems of evil and violence that rob people and planet of the opportunity to flourish. We shout about the morality of sexually explicit songs that are silent about deadly guns and bombs. What must I do to be saved? The jailer asks. I don't know what he meant by the question. Did he mean how could he be rescued from the life he was living? Believe in Jesus and be baptized. Did he mean find a way to healing and wholeness? Live the faith that you have received. Did he mean by that, how could he grow roots in a courageous community that refuses to concede to the violence of, and corruption that is at the heart of empire? Thank you for listening to this week's message. We trust you are fed as well as challenged by the content. This audio archive supplements a video library of the entire service. The video, along with music from our internationally recognized gospel choir, is available on firstchurchbrooklyn.org. We provide hybrid worship options with both in-person and online worship Sunday morning at 11 a.m. We are live in the sanctuary as well as firstchurchbrooklyn.org and the church Facebook page at facebook.com slash firstchurchbrooklyn. All one word, no spaces. Visit firstchurchbrooklyn.org for more information on safety protocols and pre-registration options. Remember that now, as always, you are loved.